0: Hello and welcome to the Holistic Nutritionist podcast with your hosts Natalie K Douglas, thyroid healer and Kate Callahan, the Holistic Nutritionist. Nat and Kate are degree qualified dietitians and nutritionists, certified fitness instructors, speakers and authors. If you love unfiltered banter, unedited bloopers and authentic heart sharing, then we are your ladies. Now it's time to sit back, relax and get ready for our latest tips on living your healthiest life possible.
1: In this week's episode, we have been so lucky to interview the beautiful Kate Cattle. Kate believes that every woman deserves to be empowered and that the container of conception and pregnancy is the perfect conduit for that awakening. She is an award-winning intuitive life coach, speaker and writer, as well as a mama and wife. Through her online space, coaching sessions, Lunar Circles, the Awakened Pregnancy podcast and sold-out workshops and speaking events, Kate helps women to see that they can embark on their journey to motherhood without fear and instead see it as a time to truly connect to who they are and awaken the gifts within. Kate has 12 years experience helping women feel incredible in their own skin and five years experience as a working life coach. She's actively been a part of the transformation of thousands of lives. She's an advocate for self-care, living gently, and getting super comfortable in your own skin. If she's not connecting and supporting, you'll find her exploring with her husband, Michael, and adorable son, Flynn... I really, really enjoyed this chat with Kate. And to be honest, at times, totally forgot I was even recording a podcast because it really was like talking to an old friend. And as many of you know, I am such a huge huge advocate of holistic health and even more so mental and emotional well-being because it has been such a transformative part of my own journey. And I see it time and time again being an absolutely foundational and pivotal thing in so many of my clients work as well. So I just really enjoyed the opportunity to actually explore this side of preconception care and pregnancy with Kate and I'm really excited for you to get to enjoy the same. So let's jump in. Kate, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here and to jump into all of these really exciting questions. And actually, I was saying to you just before we hit record that Kate and I, the other Kate, we haven't had an exclusive podcast talking about very much the the mindset side and emotional well-being side of preconception care of pregnancy. So it's really exciting.
2: I'm excited too thank you so much for having me here and I was actually yeah I was reflecting through the questions before I jumped on and I yeah I can't wait to answer them this this is definitely my zone and I think it's so important and something that does get skipped over so yeah I'm really excited to be sharing
1: it as well Yes, I agree. It really does get skipped over, but hopefully we will help turn that around a little bit today. Before we jump into those questions, we always love to ask our guests the same question, just because I'm obsessed with morning routines. And this might look a little bit different for you at the moment, because as we are recording this, it's still somewhat of a lockdown situation here in Australia. But what is your current morning routine? So it definitely does change. And for
2: me personally, my morning routine hasn't really been affected by the ISO life. Uh, My husband still has his job, which we're obviously very, very grateful for. And uh, my son doesn't actually go to childcare. He spends time with my mum. So our routine really hasn't changed. But when I say it changes, that's because I have a toddler and he has a mind of his own, as they do. Yeah. Uh, but my my ideal morning routine, and when I nail it, I wake up, I use my tongue scraper, I jump back into bed. I am a Vedic meditator. So I do my morning meditation. After that, I pull some angel cards and then I'll write in my journal. But that doesn't always happen or unfold in that way. And I mean, it's not necessarily a time thing. It's just if my son wakes up, it's kind of go time. But I do incorporate at least one or two of those things every single morning. And yeah, they're kind of they're kind of the things that just set me up for the day. And then after that, I'll usually make a herbal tea. And then is usually up by then. And it's time to play Lego and have breakfast and all of those
1: kind of fun things. Oh, I love it. I love... I love a good morning routine. And I think it's so important to be flexible with it, especially when you've got kids, because if you create this big, long list of things you have to do in order to feel like you've successfully started your day, it's probably not going to happen too too often when you've got a little person that is active and not necessarily going to wake up every single day at the same time in the same mood. So I love that. I love that Absolutely. it's flexible. Yeah. And I think I just wanted to add something on that too. My approach to my
2: morning routine before I had my son was a lot more about ticking off all of the things. Like I obviously enjoyed them, but I wanted to make sure I got through everything. Whereas now it's more about how, or what can I do to get myself into the emotional state that I want to be in. So sometimes that is to meditate. Sometimes it's to go for a walk. Sometimes it's just three deep breaths and it transforms like I transform internally. That's my focus now as far as the achievement. It's not about ticking the box. It's how can I shift my energy to be in the state that I need to be in?
1: Mm. And do you feel like becoming more in tune with yourself allows you to tap into what you actually need instead of what is just on that list? A hundred percent. Yeah. I found that to myself because I used to be very much like a here's my list, I must get through it. And then I can feel like I am in alignment and I am good to go. And now I think same same deal. It's more waking up and taking a moment to be like, what, what do I actually need today? And mine very much changes with my menstrual cycle. Like when I'm in the first half of my cycle, I'm all about getting up and moving my body. And the second half, I'm more about you know, sitting in meditation or moving more slowly or starting more slowly. And I really love that I'm able to do that now. I think it's, it's, it makes morning routine so much less stressful because I mm-hmm. think when you put too many expectations on what it has to look like, it ends up being counteractive to what you're trying to achieve, which is, as you alluded to, like it's, it's a state of being and a way to start your day. Yeah, I I could not agree more. Love it. Well, we could, we could do a whole podcast about morning readings, We could, but, <laughs> but we won't. Uh, I really want to hear a little bit more about how you actually landed in working in this space and why you're so passionate about it, because I can hear it in the way you talk. You have a podcast yourself, which is filled with so much amazing information. And I can see that it's very much something that is just lights you up. And I love hearing about how that actually evolves. So can you walk us through that journey a little bit?
2: Yeah, for sure. And I think whenever I think about this, and I'm sure you can relate, when someone asks me about my story, I'm like, where do I start? It oh, started totally. when I was born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, won't, I won't go that far back. Um, Thank you. <laughs> but I think the essence of what I'm about and why, I'm, why I am here. And what my purpose is in this lifetime, I believe it's to empower women. And that has looked different at different points in my life as far as the mechanism for how I do that and how I support that. But I think through my own experience, uh, I've, I've gone more into this space or I have, I've gone more into this space of supporting women through preconception and pregnancy to kind of give you a little bit of an idea of how that happened. I have... And I say that term very loosely. Have endometriosis, mm-hmm. and I discovered that in a emergency room after eight hours of excruciating pain and being told everything from you're ovulating to you've got cancer. It was ridiculous.
1: Jeez, it's a bit of a
2: broad spectrum. Oh my so goodness! That- it was it was a comedy of errors, but it wasn't funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, anyway. Basically, they said, look, we think that you have endometriosis and you have a 10 centimeter ovarian cyst on your left ovary. And that's what the pain is. It's um, rupturing and we need to do emergency surgery. And I really didn't know anything about endo at the time. I knew that my auntie had it and that was about it. And my husband and I had gotten engaged two weeks prior and it just it felt. Was a really scary time, and anybody who's listening who has had any type of diagnosis where you really don't know what it is, it is scary. And I went in for the surgery, and they took out the cyst, and their from their reports, the endo was like rife. It was all through my abdomen, and with the cyst, they took half of my left ovary or quite a big portion of my left ovary. And so here I was, we'd just gotten engaged on cloud nine. And then I was like, what does this mean about our future? Are we going to be able to have children? What does this look like? And I, at that point in my life, I was very much somebody who suppressed how I was feeling. And I definitely chose that option and threw myself into the wedding planning. And it wasn't until after we got married that we decided, okay, we'd love to have children. Let's start trying and see what happens. And five years down the track after IVF and miscarriage and many, many months where I was not pregnant, we did conceive our little boy. But that time in my life, I went through massive, massive growth. So you know i went from this high achieving person who suppressed my emotions and was always showing up for everyone else and not really caring for myself to learning the importance of what it actually means to truly care for myself on every level and how impactful that can be for my whole well-being that it wasn't just about my emotional health but rather that when i remove all of those stresses from my life you know like overdoing things you know showing up for everyone else and not showing up for myself and when i removed those stresses it had such a massive impact on my emotional well-being but also my physical well-being so i went through this crazy journey through these 5 years and obviously my beautiful husband was by my side and we yeah we had our ivf attempts were fairly dismal there wasn't really anything mm. positive about them at the fir- the first attempt they so the first egg collection They got, I think it was six eggs and two of them ended up being viable. And we transferred one on the month where we'd done the collection. So um, it wasn't, I can't remember what the terminology is. It wasn't a frozen cycle. It was, you know, um, yeah, (laughs) and that one didn't take. And then the following, I actually think it was two months later, we did the frozen cycle and I fell and then miscarried very early.
0: Mm -hmm. And
2: after that, I had adrenal fatigue. I've had adrenal fatigue twice. Um, I've had a lot of gut issues. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was basically, it just kept on getting more and more complex and more and more challenging. And after the next attempt where we did a uh, egg collection, then got one viable egg transferred and it didn't take. And again, I had adrenal fatigue. My husband and I were like, look, that's it. We're done. Like I was, I was like, I'm not doing this to my body anymore. And I'd really come to a place where I respected my body so much that I just, it just didn't feel like it was worth it to completely, you know, drive myself into the ground health wise. So it actually felt like a really great decision and really relieving for both my husband and I. And I think we'd put off making that choice for quite some time. And I thought, okay, let's just take six months completely put this time into rebuilding my health. I'm going to do all the things. We're going to make it work. And I'm just going to get myself back to feeling great. And then we'll reassess, like we'll decide what our next steps are, knowing that it wasn't going to be IVF. And so in that time, I worked with a coach and I did my yoga teacher training and I saw uh, some naturopaths um, who were able to help me get back on track. I found a beautiful Um, medical doctor here who helped diagnose a couple of underlying conditions that I had. And basically, and probably not surprisingly, six months later, I felt amazing. Mm. Um, I felt the healthiest I'd ever felt. I had so much energy. My skin had cleared up. My hair had stopped falling out. I just, I felt amazing. And I mean, I did kind of share this before, the the beautiful happy ending to the story is that I fell pregnant naturally, which was a complete surprise. And I didn't believe it. And I went on to have a beautiful pregnancy and birth and an amazing breastfeeding experience with our little boy. But I truly believe that if it wasn't for me making that decision to put myself and my well-being and my health first, that that would have absolutely never happened. You know, all of the evidence was pointing to, no, this cannot happen from the medical point of view. Um, And then obviously alongside all of this, I was having so much growth myself and I was becoming so passionate about helping women see that when we feel so out of control through this conception journey, if this is something that you're navigating to, that we can actually take our control back, but it's not by controlling the external circumstances. It's by controlling how we care for ourselves and what our internal world looks like. So I was a coach at the time, but I have just gone more specifically into this area because I can see there's such a need for women to realize that this journey to becoming a mother whether you have fertility concerns or not is an invitation for us to grow into the incredible women that we are and without the proper support we miss out on that opportunity and we also potentially go in the other direction and yeah i mean that's that's kind of the that's the crux of it i really truly care about empowering women and i believe that Preconception, pregnancy, and that early stage of motherhood are the most beautiful invitation and rite of passage to truly come into who we are as women. And that's that's why I do what I do.
1: <laughs> I love that so much. And I have like a billion questions from everything you shared because I think it's I I mean, maybe I'm projecting, but was there a was there a time in that journey where you felt disconnected from your physical body or angry at your body? Or was there any element of that when, especially when you first got diagnosed, so to speak with, with endo and were going through that and then having to go through IVF and that not holding, was there any element of that for you? Do you know, I actually feel like that had been underlying
2: maybe my whole life. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until going through that experience, I realized that it was there. So what I mean is like through my teenage years, I had like body love issues, you know, like there was parts of my body I used to always criticize about myself and I was insecure. And then that just developed further into this disconnect from my body. And anger has absolutely been something that has come up. And I hear this a lot in my clients that I speak to who have endo and PCOS that, one of the dominant emotions that we feel is anger around those circumstances and if you think about our childhood as women in you know in this society we're taught that it's not okay to be angry and so you know, if there's something happening inside of your body, and this was absolutely my experience, so I was really disappointed in my body, and I felt angry and frustrated at the situation. But I also felt a lot of shame for the fact that I felt that, and so it was like this double suppression of emotions. It was like this rising anger that I was suppressing with shame, and so it only perpetuates the issue. Um, so yeah, I definitely, definitely had that experience of a disconnect from my body and that it wasn't until I looked at this with kind of critical thinking eyes that I was able to see, okay, wow, I've had this for a long time. This isn't something that just came as a result of the endo.
1: Yeah, I, I resonate with that a lot. I think on both like a personal and also professional level with with working with people, I think I have a similar History in the way of um, growing up with actually uh, quite a few eating disorders, and I have endometriosis, and I definitely have experienced a lot of that um, ch- disconnect and shame around uh, around the anger that that has come up in relation to my body, and I and I think it's it's super common, like whether it is part of a fertility struggle or um, part of a health struggle, I often. See a lot of my clients, like struggling their way through it from a point of I just have to mind over a matter this this change in my physical body, and for me personally, I actually think the only way I've been able to heal any of my health issues and the way that I very much see healing happening most effectively is is not necessarily that way. I think it comes from addressing that stored trauma, those stored emotions wherever they are in the body and actually trying to connect back in because I am super passionate about the fact that I think we know our bodies best but so, so much of what we're surrounded by is constantly pulling us outside of our body to seek answers from someone else from something else Um, and it's tempting because it's much easier than really doing that work of of unraveling a lot of that stuff I think that's really fascinating and I I I hear you in terms of it being a common theme with with women and with endo in particular it's Mm. it's super interesting. I actually want to move on a little bit further here because I could talk about I'm a Leo, so I could probably talk about my story for <laughs> the whole podcast.
0: <laughs> let's
1: be honest, but I won't because uh, many of the listeners have heard bits and pieces of it before. I'm actually really curious to explore a little bit more in depth why you actually believe that mindset becomes almost like more important, you know, through conception and pregnancy when perhaps it hasn't necessarily been something that is a consideration beforehand like why is it that it it should or is more important
2: yeah i think this kind of builds from what i was saying before about this picture that society paints for us as women so like what i was saying before around emotions and that we're taught to suppress our emotions we're also subliminally and sometimes you know very very much Um, even more so than that, we're taught that in order to have happiness, we need to follow a certain mold. So for example, it might look like finish school, study, get a good career, meet somebody that you love, buy a house, get married, have children happily ever after. And whether we acknowledge that or not, so many of us are living by that program. So we, we set out to achieve that. And this is absolutely what I was doing without acknowledging it because for many of us, we're not actually living with that state of intention of, you know, knowing exactly why we do the things that we do. So if you can imagine, we've got this kind of, you know, this blueprint of happiness that we have decided at some point in our childhood, and we follow that. And it's when something doesn't, add up with that. So when something doesn't tick the box in order to that plan, it's where we feel like everything's being derailed. And this concept teaches us that we must control everything around us in order to be happy. But I actually believe in fact that we're never truly in control of the things happening around us. It's rather that we feel like we're in control when life tilts in favor of our preferences. And so it's when it doesn't tilt in favor that we go, Oh my God, like everything's hit the fan. Like this isn't working. And that's when we get frustrated and angry and we experience all of those things because we feel like we're out of control. So I believe that for women or for a lot of women, motherhood becomes a journey of unraveling those stories and whether it is, you know, a challenging conception or a bit of a crazy pregnancy or the ups and downs and craziness of motherhood, I believe that we are given this invitation to grow into more of who we are, which is what I was saying before. But for many of us, when we don't have the set or the support, we don't actually take that opportunity. So I believe that women are beginning to see more clearly now that we must care for ourselves, right? Like, I think that that's fairly common that we can see as women, our self-care matters. But- Like we were saying at the beginning of our conversation, this topic is often at more of a physical level. So we exercise, we eat the right foods, we support our bodies, we take our supplements. But one of the biggest areas I believe that gets missed and forgotten is our mental health and our mindset. And without that, we cannot function. So I'm certain that the women who listen to your podcast are aware that prevention, as far as a long term health strategy, is imperative. Uh, But I think that. Yeah. And I think that having like a crisis management view of health is very short term and very limited and it doesn't support the big picture. So, you know, when it comes to our mental health, I think we need to look at this in the same way. So we need to look at our mindset as how can I be creating a long-term strategy here for my mindset? Not something that is just, you know, a crisis, when a crisis occurs, then I will get support. So I think that for many women, this journey into motherhood, no matter what stage it's at, that it kind of, this comes to the surface, but we're given this invitation to go deeper into what it means to be in surrender and to be trusting the process and trusting ourselves. So I don't know if I have really answered the question there or if I've kind of gone off a little bit, but I think at the end of the day, conception and pregnancy are a massive shift in a woman's life, whether it is the first child or the fifth, it doesn't matter. We go through changes and growth on an internal level every single time we birth a soul into this world. And I think we can either look at that as an opportunity for growth, or we can just add that into the to-do list on other things that we're, you know, that we're doing in our life. Um, yeah, but I think If we kind of look at it from the point of view of how can I support myself now in order to glide through that time in the most, you know, graceful and easeful way that I possibly can, because in our most challenging times and they come, right, it's it's inevitable that we will have challenging moments in life. We don't feel resourceful. Like if you can think of a time where you were, you know, where you were really having a hard time, chances are you were not resourceful and, you know, saying to yourself, okay, I feel really crappy today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get up. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to make myself a cold pressed juice. I'm going to go do some yoga. Like we don't support ourselves in that way when we're in a down moment. So I believe that if you're kind of feeling good or somewhere, you know, above the line, so to speak, then now is the time to implement the practices that support you when life does all the things that it does. Um, Yeah, that's kind of a long-winded answer
1: point. I really really like that because I think that it's I mean I I haven't experienced pregnancy or birth or having children yet however I I can definitely from working with so many women that have and and just having lots of friends who have you know it's something it's a journey that you you have to surrender because there's so much so much happening in in you physically and mentally and emotionally and And I think that even being a mum, I mean, it's my mum always says to me, because I was a very impatient uh, teenager and (laughs) an early 20s person. She's like, well, having kids will teach you flexibility and teach you patience and teach you that not everything is going to get ticked off or be on plan. And it's almost like I see I see that in a lot of um my clients and my friends I see that the people who have this like resilience cushion of resources and um and boundaries and healthy boundaries cope so much better and have a better experience through pre- through preconception through pregnancy and through motherhood as well and I think you're totally right it's it's it the time to do it is when you are feeling well, because it takes less energy to implement those kind of strategies when you're in a positive headspace than it does to try and scramble to implement them when you're feeling completely shit. And all you want to do is reach for something that is a distraction, like overeating the wrong things or um, scrolling Instagram. And there's, you know, we're all human and I still do both of those things occasionally, but it's, I think it's really important as you're saying to Develop that because, I guess, what that leads into, or what I'm kind of alluding to, is very much that your your mindset does influence your experience. Um, and I feel like, you know, the the question we were going to chat about here is is kind of like what role what role mindset has in shifting experience and how it can affect the outcome at the end of the day. But I feel like we've kind of touched on that do you do you do you like does that resonate with you in terms of doing that work makes the journey more enjoyable or, or more totally safe. I think that's a really
2: big point around this is we get to choose, right? And I mean like it's so cliche, but I'm a life coach, so I get to say it. But it's about the journey, not the destination. Mm. And so if we are completely focused on our number one goal being, for example, if you're in the conception stage, um, getting the baby, or if you're pregnant, you know, having the birth that you desire, if your focus is completely on that outcome, we miss out on the joy like we delay our happiness and often when we're delaying our happiness we're actually in a state of suffering so it might not look like you know what we paint the picture of suffering to look like but I mean to give you a little bit of an idea of what that can be um You know, suffering might be that you have a challenging relationship with yourself, you feel stressed in some way every single day, you're incredibly fatigued, you feel like you're in the daily grind, or you use use words like, you know, oh, it's just so hard, or life's just so busy, or I'm just really tired. Like that type of language is an indicator that you are in a state of suffering. If you're not feeling happiness, lightness, and joy at some point throughout your day, most days, you are likely delaying your happiness for a future goal. So, you know it's it's such a subtle shift, right? I'm not saying don't focus on the outcome. It's just don't make that your driver don't make that outcome your driver because it becomes so conditional. It's like, if I don't get X, Y, Z, then I don't get to be happy. Like we punish ourselves and it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy that we would do that. And then to kind of flip it over, like from a science perspective, we all know that stress impacts our body and the way that it functions. And you would be able to share so much more on this than I can, but we know that emotional and physical stress have an impact on our body. And so if we are in a state of suffering, we are in a state of stress on some level. So, you know, there is the the part of it that is like, why not just enjoy our lives now, that is that kind of emotional and more um, or less tangible thing that we can focus on. But there is a part of it that is, that's, you know, we know that stress impacts our body in the way that it functions. And stress is such a massive issue when it comes to conception for so many women. So just that alone, I believe, is enough motivation to go, hang on a second, how can I bring more happiness, lightness and joy into my day every day? And how can I decide to make this a priority? Because it matters. Like it matters that you're happy now. Like I'm not about waiting for one day. Like I wore a kimono today and I'm in isolation. Because I'm like, you know what?
1: I'm gonna wear the kimono today. Because <laughs> I deserve to wear my kimono. Exactly. I love it. Yeah. No, I I really I love that. And I I think the thing that comes up for me is I'm wondering. What like how you were able to hold that process when you had experienced miscarriage. So what I mean by that, a lot of my patients who have, or clients, I don't like calling them patients because I feel like clients is more empowering. So my clients um, who have miscarried before and then do fall pregnant it's almost like they can't give themselves permission to fully embody that pregnancy because they're fearful of the loss. How did you navigate that? Or how would you help someone navigate that? Cause I think it's a really like, I, I fully understand where they're coming from. And I also think that focusing on the potential loss takes away from the journey and in, and, pulls you out of your physical body as well.
2: Mm, Absolutely. I think I want to start by answering this question by validating those feelings and that is perfectly okay to feel that way. And in fact, it's perfectly normal um, to be fearful of that experience when you have felt that intense pain of loss because it is excruciating. And I think that, you know, we could talk about miscarriage and loss so much as well. But I think for many of us, there is shame attached to that as well. And it is a traumatic time. It is trauma. The loss is trauma. And when we experience pregnancy again, which is fantastic, it is very real that those fears come back and it becomes, it can become like a trigger. And I think It's so important, firstly, to acknowledge how you feel and allow yourself to feel scared or um, nervous or fearful or whatever it is that's resonating for you. I think we really need to allow ourselves to feel that and not suppress it. When it comes to emotions, they they're all created equal. So every single emotion is designed to rise and fall, but it's the grasping at it, whether we want to keep it because we like it or we want to push it away because we don't like it, that creates that stagnation in our energy. So if you're trying to push away or suppress those feelings or you're trying to hold on to them as a protective mechanism, you're stopping that natural flow of energy. So even just kind of having that visual visualisation of just allowing it to flow through you like how can i allow this wave of emotion to just flow through me and being aware that these things will come and go so the pain won't stay forever nor will our you know highest height of joy they they are all flowing and all moving so just having that awareness can be really empowering as these things rise but as far as allowing yourself to feel the joy and to continue to you know, move through that pregnancy, um, you know, in, in the way that you deserve to, right? Because you deserve to enjoy that beautiful gift of this little human that is growing inside of you, even if you have experienced loss before. So, you know, first of all, I think definitely validate how you feel. Have radical self-awareness of what those feelings are and nurture yourself and allow yourself to feel them. And then the next thing is you get to decide whether you want to be courageous or whether you do want to stay inside that perceived, because it is perceived, protective barrier. And I know this is hard and I know that it's scary. There is absolutely no doubt about that, but you get to choose. And I think that when you look at it from that point of view of, I don't have to be a victim of this circumstance, I can choose how I want to feel and the path I want to pursue right now, whether that is, you know, keeping myself protected or whether I do want to be courageous here and you can you get to go with that like that is your choice and that is in your power so when i'm talking about being courageous i'm talking about allowing yourself to feel joy even if it is just a tiny moment of joy each day just allowing yourself to connect to that more and more because the alternative is back into that state of suffering and if you have been through this experience of loss before, it doesn't, you know, this, it doesn't matter how much you allow yourself or force yourself to suffer the maybe outcome of loss again, it doesn't protect you from the pain. If it does happen, it doesn't make it any less painful. Mm. And I think that we get to choose, you know, do I want to suffer through this for a potential maybe outcome Or do I just want to let myself feel how incredible this is and how grateful I am for this little life and put all my love and hope and the best energy that I can into this experience and cross my freaking fingers that this works. Mm. And it's hard. Like, I really want to say that this is hard, um, but we get to choose. And if you want extra resources around this, Brene Brown speaks so beautifully about I mean, everyone probably knows about Brene Brown by now. She's so amazing. But mm-hmm. she speaks so beautifully about um, not being able to be courageous without vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And so there's a beautiful, I, I think um, it's called The Gifts of Imperfection. I think that's a beautiful book on that topic if anyone's like, okay, I really want to embrace this um,
1: this way of approaching it. Yes, I love that book and I love her. She's fantastic. And i I really... I really feel like something to remind people of that I can imagine is important is that it's, it's a choice you can make every day or in every moment in terms of um, it. it, I could imagine that it's, there's many moments where it's difficult to make that choice. And perhaps you fall back into that victim mindset or the, the more suffering. And also it's, it's great that you have awareness that you can make a different choice and you can choose courage and that it's okay if you don't get that choice right all of the time through that whole journey, because it is a journey. And I think as as humans, we want to protect ourselves in, in so many different ways. And it is hard to be courageous and vulnerable. And they come together, as you were just saying, and also it's it's worth it in a lot of senses because, as you said, if, you know, touch wood, the loss happens, whether you've allowed yourself to enjoy the pregnancy and be present with it or whether you have expected and anticipated the loss, it doesn't hurt any less. It just takes away from the moments where you could have felt joy or, or even just contentment and, and not fear. But I think, uh, yeah, I really, I hear you in terms of validating those women who were like, well, you know, it's bloody hard because it, it would be, it would be incredibly mm. difficult. And I really love the, the feeling at peace as well, because I love that saying, you've got to feel, you've got to feel it to heal it. I'm a big, a big mm-hmm. fan of that. And I actually really like, I don't know if you do this this too Kate but whenever I've been healing past traumas I talked to I talk to it like I talk to that feeling or I talk to that person I was in the moment when I was going through that trauma and hold that version of myself and sit with that version of myself and allow space for that to be processed and I give it names, I give it feelings, I give it colors, I identify where it is in my body and visualize it. And that really helps me to be able to make a safe space for it to exist and also let go and move through me. And I find that so helpful um, to do. That's such a beautiful
2: practice. I actually, I'm a big journaler and I write letters to myself or like to past versions of myself. And I also use that beautiful technique of going into a meditation and visiting myself in that time with what I needed then that I didn't get at that time. Um, so as far as like compassion or the words that I really wanted to hear, but I also wanted to come back to um, like back to this topic. And I, I kind of got thinking about it while you were speaking. When, when we go through this experience of motherhood, actually, it's just life, right? There is always an opportunity for us to choose to be fearful, to choose to be in that state of fear and protection. And I think with motherhood, I know on my conception journey, I was always like, I just need to get pregnant. Like once I'm pregnant, like it will be all good, but that's not the case. Like you fall pregnant and then you're in the first 12 weeks and you're like, oh my God, I just need to get through the first 12 weeks. Mm. And then you're in the second trimester and you're like, oh my God, I just want to get to the end. And then you get to the end. You're like, I just want to have the baby. (laughs) And then the baby comes and you're like, oh no, like now I have to watch the baby when they just need to keep it alive. (laughs) Like exactly. And so if we can break this habit ASAP and choose to be in that state of courageous surrender a little bit more often. And like you said, this is moment to moment. It's not like you make this decision once and then, and I feel like I need to say that because we don't decide once I'm going to be vulnerable and courageous and we never have to make that decision again. It is moment to moment because we're reprogramming past patterns that we've been doing for years. So I think having the awareness that you can choose fear and that is perfectly okay. I'm not saying this from a point of judgment but is there going to be a point where you decide that you don't want to choose fear anymore? And could that be now? So, um, yeah, I think, I think it's a lesson that I'm really glad that I learned before I became a mother, because it meant that when I had a newborn and I was transitioning into what life looks like as a mother, that I was able to really trust myself in a deeper way than I have ever before. And, um, You know, that really supported me with that transition into that stage of life where you do become responsible for another human being and suddenly your choices don't just impact you. So, you know, it's again, it's an invitation and you get to choose again, no judgment. You get to choose which path you want to take, but just be clear to yourself about what each of them look like and also what the, you know, what the likely outcome is of
1: each of those scenarios. Mm. And I I really feel like practice helps, like practice makes perfect in a sense, like I feel like unless you like repeatedly make that choice, it's or I should say when you repeatedly make that choice, I feel like it becomes easier. It's the same experience for me, like I used to have this really harsh inner critic that would be like particularly relating to body image issues for example because it was a big theme in my um, in my life and there used to be this really loud annoying very dominant um, voice in my head that was very hypercritical and I just wanted it to go away and it never just went away and people ask me all the time how did you how did you get over that or how did you stop those thoughts? And the truth is that those thoughts don't necessarily stop. They just become whispers because you've actually built up this much more compassionate, courageous, vulnerable voice in your in your head. It almost feels nurturing like a motherly voice to me that's like, you know, like validates me. Like, sweetheart, it's okay that you feel that way. I I hear you. And also why don't we be kind to ourselves? Or like, why don't we like, why don't we choose a different option here? What might that look like? And how might you feel if you make that choice? So I really think that if you're someone who's like, I can't do that. I'm just, I've always been hard on myself. I'm, I'm too hard on myself. Know that, most people are like that. Is absolutely the natural, like that is the natural. Thing. And, and as Kate and I are speaking here, I, I mean, Kate, I can't speak for you, but I know I've been that person that's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, like I'm no way can I do that. and Absolutely, yeah, you're like, oh yeah, <laughs> yes,
2: definitely. I think the thing to remember around this, and this goes back to what you were saying before, that in a lot of time, in a lot of places, we do believe that the answer is outside of us we all are born with those two voices like the devil and the angel Mm. you know like we are all born with both of those but human conditioning means that the voice that isn't so kind the volume is loud and the other one is really quiet. And it's like this tiny little whisper of like, Nat, you're amazing. But then the other one's like, no, you're not. You're X, Y, Z. And then so the little voice is like, okay, fine. It's, <laughs> I feel like it's about realizing it's already inside of you. This isn't something that, you know, I was, gracefully gifted with (laughs) and you weren't like, we all have both of these. It's just about which voice you want to give more power to. And it is that consistent making a different choice. Like our brain has these neural pathways that I kind of visualize like a forest. And so if we keep walking the same pathway, which we usually have until a point like now where you're like, okay, I have more information. I want to do this differently. Every time we walk that pathway, it goes from being like this, you know, crazy bush where you have to like cut through to get, you know, get past everything to like a two lane highway where it's like so built through that. It's just so easy for your brain to go that way. And then the new pathway, it's like this dense forest that you're like, okay, I'm going to have to bring my machete here to make way. (laughs) And so having that awareness that, okay, I'm just, every time I make this choice, this pathway is just going to get a little bit more clear, a little bit easier to go down. And it's going to over time, this gradual baby step that I take is actually going to have a really big impact. Um, So I, I could not agree with you more in the fact that we all have the ability to do this. It takes a commitment and a decision. And this is what I was talking about before with having this long term plan for your mental health. It's not just about, oh, I'm just going to deal with a problem when it rises. It's like, how can I continue to support myself long-term so that every single time I'm faced with a challenge, I don't become this bitter and twisted old woman, that instead I grow and expand and I become more amazing over my lifetime.
1: Yes. Yeah. I, I really, I think it's one of, I actually think as, even as a nutritionist who spends a lot of time talking about food, I think that Emotional health and mental health and also sleep um, is the most important thing in a healing journey. I think there are, to be honest, so many different ways that and so many different diets that can help play a part in that. I think it's an entry point for a lot of people, but I see the people that really deep dive into that emotional well-being, unraveling past traumas courageously and compassionately, ones that actually get the most experience the most freedom and and feeling of confidence and comfort and just contentment in their body and in their mind and that's essentially what i feel like a lot of us are chasing when we look outside we think that other people have that and that's what we're chasing but it's and it has a certain external representation. But I really think that it's an internal feeling and I think you can have it whenever you choose to put the work into that. Mm. And I also think it's difficult because it's not as visible to other people a lot Absolutely. of the Absolutely. It doesn't feel tangible. And so we look at somebody who
2: is like appears to be thriving in their life. And I actually had a guest on my podcast um recently who from the outside, she ticks every single box. You're just like, oh my God, she's beautiful and she's talented. And, you know, she's got this amazing family and all of the things. If I want to be happy, I need to do all those things. Mm. But in having the conversation with her, she actually knows herself inside out. And every single thing she does in her life, she does because it fills her up from the inside. So I think I'm so glad you brought that up because when we look at somebody who appears to be thriving and they just seem like they've got it figured out, we look to the things that are tangible. So we look at the fact that maybe they have a particular hairstyle. And I know this sounds really superficial, but we do it. It's true, like we yeah. look at like their hairstyle or the clothes that they wear or, you know, the, the type of diet they have or mm-hmm. whatever it is. And we're like, oh, I need to do that and then I'll be happy like them. But if you look deeper and if these are people that are truly happy, the reason that they're happy is because they've done the work, they know themselves so well and everything that they do in their life is from the point of view of does this fill me up? Um, So yeah, I'm I'm really glad that you brought that up because I think that that's a really great distinction to have.
1: Yeah, I I actually think it's, something that needs so much more attention because is it because it is so easy to be attracted to those things that are more yeah measurable and visible. Um, and I just don't see that to be true in in the work that I do and in, in what I've discovered for myself. I just I just feel like calling bullshit on it all the time. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I
2: hear oh. you. And like full transparency, this is definitely something that I have personally struggled to communicate in my work is something that you can't see it and you don't know it until you feel it. But I think that if you're feeling called to make a shift if your systems for living right now are not serving you to feel happiness and joy every single day in some capacity and you decide hang on a sec this isn't good enough i want to encourage you to trust that and just do something that allows you to get to know yourself a little bit better because it's just following those tiny breadcrumbs mm-hmm. and you know once you have made these decisions and you've started to make some shifts in your life towards supporting yourself on a deeper level you cannot go back. You will not go back oh, no because way. it's just like, why would I do anything but care for myself? Because this is amazing.
1: Mm, yeah. And it's an interesting middle ground to be in when you feel it, when you're in that place where you started to taste the, what it feels like to have that freedom that comes with knowing yourself really well and accepting it. And also still got like a little toe dipped in the chasing what we have you know, being conditioned to chase and it's okay that sometimes you dance between the two worlds. I think mm-hmm. knowing that you're you always have the answers inside of you of what it is that is going to lead you to feel the way you want to feel. It's just crowding out all of the noise. And I think that actually leads really nicely into what I wanted to ask you as well, Kate, which is around like practically speaking, um, what does that look like? Like how does someone actually start to shift their mindset in a really practical like day-to-day way? What are some examples that they can use to try and even just start along that path? I think the big thing here is do not
2: overcomplicate it. I think keep it very, very simple. And the most important thing is that you're doing things that make you feel good. So, you know, a great takeaway from today is to make a list of the things that you know that make you feel great. And you might be doing them now or they might have been something from your childhood, but having that go-to list is really helpful and supportive. Um so for example for me, I mean I spoke a little bit about my morning routine at the start, but I love to meditate, I love journaling, I love doing my angel cards, I love being in nature, and I am a Taurus and I love being alone. Yeah. <laughs> so those are things that really serve and support me and no surprise basically all you need for most of them is your body. Like the journaling, I'm probably not going to journal on my body, but you know, <laughs> we wouldn't judge you. Don't, doubt you. <laughs> you don't need much to actually do these things that fill us up and we cloud out this idea of self-care with, you know, it has to be this big, massive thing. Mm -hmm. But I truly believe it's those little things that we do every single day. And so if you're at the beginning of your journey, having some structure around this might be supportive. So it might be that you're at the point where you know you know, if you don't get up in the morning and do something for yourself before your children wake up or before the rest of the house wakes up, that you're not going to do it, then it's probably a good time to set an alarm at 5.30 every morning, have half an hour to yourself before you start your day. And I think having that commitment to yourself in the beginning helps to shift that system of living that you have been on to something that is going to serve you a little bit more. So, Number one is keep it really, really simple. Number two, know what actually lights you up and what makes you feel good and decide that you want to make space for it every single day because how you matter,
1: oh, sorry, how you feel matters. Mm, I love that. And just to add a few extra ones to what makes you feel good, I agree with all of them. I also like a balance between being alone and being a superstar as a Leo. Um, (laughs) um, I really love dancing, like just by myself in the kitchen, just moving to some music. I feel like it's a really great way to shift energy. And also it's really helped me reconnect my mind and my body, like to actually Mm. connect back into it. So that's something I've found really beneficial on top of those other ones you mentioned, Kate, as well. Love that. I'm really curious about also, like I feel... I feel like I will come up with this challenge. So I'm just going to, to bring it forward. Is there is a lot of information out there in relation to pregnancy and preconception? There's so many books, there's Google, there's your friends, there's, there's lots of different opinions, there's social media. How do you actually think women should navigate the kind of like between being informed? And knowledgeable about the process because let's be honest like not a lot of us know much about pregnancy until it's actually happening and versus kind of trusting their intuition and their body and knowing that you were in in, i guess in essence born to create really how do you find like how do they strike that balance because i feel like knowledge is power but then too much of it can just be paralyzing
2: Absolutely. I think that we need to definitely choose our sources and that will be different based on um, you know what, what our priorities are. and the place that we get our priorities and what's important to us as a mother is inside of us. Like that is where you find out what matters to you. So I would say before you dive into any content, get a little bit of clarity around who you want to be in motherhood not who you want your children to be, who you want to be in motherhood. How can I best show up? And I would say approach content and what you're reading and books and advice and all of those things from the point of view of how can this support me to be more of who I want to be in motherhood. Um, So for example, for me, I really had hoped that I would be able to have a drug-free birth and that was for a variety of different reasons, but that was something that I knew was really important to me. And so I filled myself with knowledge in the area of um, unassisted birth, basically, and I equipped myself so that I was able to believe in my ability to do that because here's the thing with beliefs they are completely fluid, right? You can believe what you want to believe and I can believe what I want to believe and they can be completely opposite and we will find evidence to prove that what we believe is true. For example, and I feel like we can all relate to this, is if you decide that it's great for your body to drink cow's milk, you will find all the evidence to prove that you're correct. Mm -hmm. If I decide it's bad for my body to drink cow's milk, I will find all the evidence to prove myself correct. So we actually do choose our beliefs. So if you're connected to what it is that you desire and what you want as a human, and this could be the very beginning of that, right? This might not be the big picture of this is the motherhood experience that I hope to have. This is how I'm going to show up for it. Okay, now give me a bit more information. It might just be, you know, I feel like I would love to be able to breastfeed. That might be the beginning of it. And then so look into resources that show you the positive, you know, the positive side of how you can create that experience for yourself. I think, um, I feel like I'm rambling a little bit, but I think that we need to have discernment around our boundaries with it. So basically be clear on what it is you want, even if it's just the very beginning part of what you want and look for resources that are able to support you to expand on that. Um, Because at the end of the day, like I said, This is about trusting in yourself. If you trust yourself as a mother, I believe that is the absolute best tool that you can have. If you can look at a scenario and break it down into the two options that you have, because it usually is only two options that we have and go, okay, this is option one. These are the circumstances. This is option two. These are the circumstances. This is my priority. Which one fits better? Like this is my overarching priority in motherhood. Which one fits better? Um, So, yeah, I think it's important to be clear on what it is that we want to bring into motherhood. And I think that we also need to be boundaried in what we allow ourselves to consume and know ourselves enough to know when we've had enough. Um, And, you know, if you've got people in your life who are very strongly opinionated around parenting, pregnancy, birth, anything like that, and if they're sharing things that you don't want to kind of carry with you, you know you can say, Um, you can say to them, like, I really appreciate what you're saying and just leave that there or thank you for sharing that with me. You don't actually have to engage in taking that conversation further. Like if someone's sharing like a really horrific birth story with you and you're finding it really traumatic, you can just say thank you for sharing that with me and you can just leave it and walk away from that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Does that answer your question? It does. I I like that. And I I think something that comes up for me is if you notice you're consuming something and it's making you fearful or feel disconnected from your body or disconnected from the journey or anything, then stop reading it. I think read the things that are making you feel empowered from a knowledge perspective, not just fearful of here's every single situation that could happen because I think that, yeah what you what you fill your mind with is is part of what is created and i also think it creates a more trusting experience like i think especially society now and women now we need to consume more stuff that teaches us to trust our body to love our body to know that we have everything we need within us as opposed to constantly pulling us out more like i absolutely think that you know medicine and conventional medicine in an emergency situation is life-saving and it's really good to know that that's there if that is needed. And I also think that it's important to fill most of our, our mind with the fact that our body is incredible and we are capable beyond belief and it's something that I think is important when you're in a situation that is unfamiliar or new. Um, and I just, that's going to be my approach anyway, but I'll talk yeah. to you about it once it happens for me. <laughs> because I could come back to you and be like, oops, I didn't do that.
2: I think a really good indicator with this too is to ask yourself why you're making the decisions you're making. So if you, if you're say, um, if there's a choice that you're making around birth and you're making it because you're scared, then that's an opportunity to grow and learn and fill yourself with the opposite. So, for example, if you're fearful of childbirth and you're like, the moment that I go into, um, you know, into the labor ward, I'm getting an epidural because I'm afraid of the pain. Mm. that's an opportunity to go, okay, hang on a second. How can I grow here? Because I don't need to be afraid of that pain because this is very natural. So I think it's really important to look at our intentions behind it. Because if you're someone who's like, I am really excited for this experience. I know that I want to have an epidural because I want to be calm and I want to be relaxed. And that feels so exciting to me. Then that's a completely different energy to I want it because I'm scared. And I think we need to check in with the intention behind the choices that we're making and what we are wanting to manifest and create for ourselves. Because if it is, you know, in that fear state, then we're not serving our inner connection with ourselves and building that faith in our own ability. Um, so I think look at the reasons behind why you have the choices that you have and whether it comes from a place of fear or from a place of love and connection, and that will help you to see, you know, if you're, if what you're doing or what you're planning to do is actually going to continue to build that relationship with yourself, or if it's going
1: to push you further away from it. Mm, I love that. That's really, really good advice um and I'm curious to know as well how can like how do you actually work with women to support them through conception and pregnancy because I know that I can't be the only one sitting here being like you're definitely on my team when this is happening (laughs) for me so how like what does that actually look like and and how can people work with you in that way so the the big thing that I do is I help you to experience
2: your journey without fear. And I do that. I'm a coach, which you have shared. Um, so I do that with working with women one-on-one at this point. And what we do together is we, it's, it's a really personalized experience. So we get to talk about the things that you're fearful of, the things that are challenging you about your experience, whether you are trying to conceive or whether you're pregnant and you're preparing for your birth. And I get to help you to implement strategies and tools and all of the techniques that you need to strengthen that relationship with yourself so that you truly do have that insane self-belief that you're like, I know I've got this, even in the down moments, I know I'm going to be good. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of what we do together is we help to, I help you to remove the fear and really feel empowered and like the fierce woman that you are um, so that you can have the most incredible experience, whether it is conception or pregnancy and really nurture yourself to have like the best time because it's so freaking cool. Like growing a human is amazing. Isn't it so
1: incredible when I think about it? I'm like, holy shit, I could actually grow a whole human, two if I wanted to or three.
2: Exactly. it's it's, It's so amazing. It doesn't matter how many times you see it or you experience it. I feel like especially if you have had any type of challenge, there are so many beautiful little things that happen to birth a healthy little human. And I think that being in a state of gratitude and amazement for our body, like we don't even really have to do anything. Like our body does it. Like I definitely like, use oh. that excuse with my husband when he asked me to do things. I was like, mate, I'm busy. I'm yeah, got so a baby was, right here. So You're I was building
1: some brain myself. cells. Just yeah. give me a minute. <laughs>
2: But really, we don't actually have to do anything. Like our body will do it on its own. So I think that our work as a mother is to get our mindset into the most beautiful, empowering space so that we get to have a great experience and so that we get to show up for these tiny humans. Like, I don't know if you've noticed this, but these little people that are being born right now are woke, like they have got this world figured out and we really need to up-level to be able to parent them. Like I have no doubt that, from that moment five, well, actually, it's seven years ago now. Flynn's two. That moment seven years ago when my journey began with that moment in the emergency room with the endo. When I think about that and it's who just, I was then and like who I am now, it's like, whoa, like I am a completely different person. And all of that, I believe, was Flynn preparing me to be his mother. Before he was even in my womb, he was working his magic, making me wake up, making me grow, making me learn so that I could be who he needed me to be. Um, So yeah, I hope you do that.
1: Well, that sounds a little bit good, doesn't it? <laughs> I actually think it should be mandatory. Like, I feel like this is how it would have been when we grew up in tribes. There would have been like women helping other women through this process in so many different ways. And I think that I am so all about women having that kind of support through preconception and pregnancy. I just think what an invaluable resource to have on your side i just Mm. yeah i'm all about it i love that and i'll definitely pop all of your um links to your website and social media and all and your podcast as well um into the show notes because people definitely need to get amongst that and share it with their friends who are looking to be pregnant or who are pregnant because what a powerful thing to have on your side now, before we wrap up, um, I have one final question that I, again, I ask all of the guests is what is one thing that you do for your health daily that you haven't already mentioned? Extra challenge there. Uh, one thing I do that I haven't mentioned. Okay, maybe besides meditation. I feel, meditation.
2: Like, I <laughs> feel like they're over, like, the, the one thing that I consistently do multiple times a day for my health is I check in with how I feel. I ask myself what I need and I give it to myself, which sounds really, really simple, but so many of us disregard what we actually need. So like right now checking in, I'm like, I'm a bit hungry. I'm going to go get some food You're after this. Same.
0: <laughs> so yeah,
2: I think it's just that consistent checking in with myself internally and going, okay, what do I need right now? What's going to support me most right now? And then actually doing it.
1: Mm, yes, that is beautiful. I really like that. And I have to say you're the first guest that has answered that way. And I love it. I actually awesome. <laughs> think what a great tip. Gosh, I'm the, I'm the, I think I do that most of the time, but now I'm going to be more conscious of doing it. Every time, I think that's yeah, I love that. Good one, I spend a lot of time by myself, so I probably (laughs) do talk to myself more. So, so you're just like rocking this isolation business.
2: You're like, I have, I have been, but I actually saw a meme the other day that said, Um, I'm a homebody, but I actually liked going to those one or two places. I'm kind of getting to that point,
1: (laughs) yeah. I feel that I feel the same. I, I very much like my own company, but it's just, you just need like a little top up of like someone outside of you, just yourself every now and again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My son is, um, he's an Aries and he
2: just like, he is so social. He is such a people person and he's actually been loving being at home, I think, because he's getting more of my undivided attention. But the other day he said to me, came up to me, said, mommy, markets, markets. I was like, oh, buddy, the markets aren't on because they're like, closed at the moment but he's obviously starting to feel it too I think I think we're getting to that point where we're like okay we're done with this (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) was fun for a bit but time to move on yeah (laughs) I'm sure everyone can uh, many people can resonate with that that's awesome well Kate thank you for such an incredible chat and I really I think yeah I just think what a what a great resource for people to come back to and definitely I would encourage people to go and listen to your podcast because there's many more really great conversations happening over there so thank you and let's go get some thank to you so much for having me it's been awesome you're welcome
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Holistic Nutritionist podcast. Remember, we love to make the show relevant to you. If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to discuss, just submit them to podcast at nataliekdouglas.com and we'll get them answered for you. Also, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review the podcast on iTunes and share it with a friend. And if you're looking for more info about how we can accelerate your journey to optimal health, You can find me, Nat, over at NatalieKDouglas.com and Kate at TheHolisticNutritionist.com. See you next time.